Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to The Paddock in the Pavilion with Stephen Wallace. In each show, Stephen will interview someone connected to the world of horse racing or cricket. Hello everyone. You are in for a treat today. In part one of two... I was joined by former Australian jockey Ron Hutchinson. Ron started riding in Australia in the 1940s, won the 2000 guineas on his very first ride in England in 1960, rode over 1,300 winners in Britain and many more in Australia, Ireland, across Europe and the world, including the 1000 guineas, St Ledger, Ascot Gold Cup, the Irish 2000 guineas, the Australia Cup, and the Italian Derby, to name just a few. Ron finished runner-up in the 1964 British Flat Jockeys Championship behind Lester Piggott. Plus, as you will find out, he has an incredible memory. Hello, Ron. Welcome to the show. You are definitely the oldest guest at 94 to be on the paddock and the pavilion. Gee, that's right. 94, yeah, that's a long time. Long time to be on this planet, I suppose, but I'm, at the moment I'm enjoying myself and I'm going. I'm definitely trying to live to be a, a hundred. And if I get to a hundred, I'll, I'll be satisfied. But uh, as a matter of fact, I only had a pacemaker put in uh, about a month ago and uh, the doctor told me, he said, well, he said, it's there for, a, for 10 years. It'll be good for 10 years. So that takes me up to a... 105, and if I get to 105, I'll be very, very happy. So that's it. That will uh, certainly um, be well worth speaking to a 100-year-old in, in another few years' time, Ron. But thank you very much for joining me. And we're going to look at your 37-year uh, riding career, um, classic yeah. winners, Royal Ascot, the Derby, just to name a few things. But how... Did you first get into racing? You were born on the 14th of December, 1927, just outside Melbourne. How did you get into racing? Oh, that's right. Well, as a, uh, as far back as I can remember, Steve, I've always, I'd always wanted to be a, a jockey and, 
and I happened to have a school teacher when I got to the age of about 12 or 13 years of age. Uh, my uh, one of my school teachers, um, they had an essay, or what we had to do an essay, on what we would have liked to be when we grew up, and uh, and I wrote that I wanted to be, would like to be a job And anyway, luckily for me, at that particular time, he he was friendly with an old uh, racehorse trainer. Uh, his name was Claude Goodfellow, and he was a friend of this uh, my teacher. So. Uh, he introduced to me, took me to his uh, place in Ascot Vale and uh, introduced me. And um, that I was actually, I was nearly 14 at the time. And uh, uh, we, we met, and uh, he, he said, Well, he said, I, I think we should have uh, give you a sort of a, a, a trial run to see if you like, whether you like working in the stables or, and, uh, or, 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 Finish, finish. So anyway, he uh, he gave me three months of uh, probation, and uh, luckily I I enjoyed every moment from the day one that I that I enjoyed uh, that I joined the stables, and uh, I've been very happy, you know, in in ever since. So that's how I came into being racing. So we're going back to the very early nineteen forties. What was it like being an apprentice? Yeah, well, it's pretty rough. As a matter, as a matter of fact, I, as I've just said before, I was watching a, 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 a movie, uh, uh, Rainbow Jacket, and uh, the school, the, the little apprentices in those days used to work pretty hard. And it was the same here in Australia too. We used to, uh, well, there was, there was not, 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 what wasn't very much, many, many home comforts, put it that way. Uh, but uh, I enjoyed it. I, you know, I got on well with everybody that I worked with, and I was um, very, very fortunate uh, to have some good friends there. And uh, you know, I, I stuck it out, and uh, so uh, that's how I started. You've got to remember, World War Two was on at the time when you'd started. Yeah, as an yeah. Well, actually, yeah, I can remember that. Actually, the the day I started uh, in racing stables was the day that the Japanese bombed. Uh, Darwin, and that was the headline of the of the newspaper that about the particular day the Japanese had um, bombed Darwin. So, although we didn't uh, didn't re- being so far in Melbourne, we were too far away from Darwin, and uh, we didn't have much of Europe. But there was always, you know, sort of very in those days. The uh, my trainer, old brother, my master at the time, Ford Goodfellow, everybody everybody had to do some more work and. Uh, uh, Mr. Goodfellow, he worked in a one of the uh, was called Anglesus Meatworks, and that was a, that was a, a sort of a, a factory where all the meat that uh, was uh, was tinned for uh, uh, to be sent to the soldiers, and uh, in, and he he was in the in the in that particular sort of uh, uh, situation where he was one of them working for the for the uh, war efforts, you know. Yeah, so he worked at the night shift and. And then slept of the day, like you know, and then we would get up at four o'clock in the morning and uh, prepare the horses. He'd come home from work and go to we'd go to the track, and um, and that's how uh, how we got how we were in those days. It was only racing, only uh, three times a month. Now, so in those days, there were very few race visits, but it was good. 
And you rode your first winner in 1943. You were age 16 at, at Mentone. What do you remember about your your oh, first I winner? Oh, Steve, I remember it very well. As a matter of fact, it was uh, you know, I used to uh, ride this uh, little uh, mare, Grey Bay, Bay mare that was trained by an old old trainer called Vic Watson. And uh, she was only a little, small little uh, bay mare. And luckily, I uh, I was able to uh, get on her, and I was only young at the time. And uh, she won the visit. Her name was Busybody. And uh, I, I got up and won on her at time. I think, I, if I remember, I rode several winners on her at that particular time. She was, So she was the start of my, my career as a jockey. And when I read that you'd won a race at Mentone, which is just outside Melbourne, I've actually been there because I had a friend who lived in Mentone, but the course is long since closed, isn't it? Yes, yeah, that's all for housing now, and uh, it was closed down. And, of course, uh, the one not very far from it uh, called Epsom, um, that was a training centre as well. It used to be a race course, but it was tra- a training centre in my time. And that's all been closed down now, and all housing all been taken over. So, but uh, but some very happy memories, I can tell you. And at seventeen, you won the Australian Cup as an as an apprentice. That must have been a very big win for you at the time. Yes, it certainly was. Uh, I uh, yes, I can remember it very well. The the animal or the mare that I rode was a mare called Spectre. Uh, I think she started at 33 to 1, and uh, she was trained by an old trainer, a lovely old trainer called Cecil Godby. And as I was only a young boy, I was about 16, 17, I think I was. Uh, and uh, it was uh, it was a great uh, a great thrill and a great uh, surprise, of course, being an outsider. But anyway, uh, I I thought I was uh, I was. Uh, uh, Jackie Jesus, I'd say, because I'd won the one of the, the Australian Cup, and uh, that particular night, I, I went after the race, I went and I said to Mister Goodfellow, "Could I go?" Because I was so pleased to chuck with myself winning a big race like the Australian Cup, and uh, and I said, "Could I go home and see my mum and dad?" And all of it, he said, "Anyway, he put his hands in his pocket and gave me, I think it was uh, two or three pence." He said, "Go down to go down to the uh, news agent and buy the sporting the sporting globe and newspaper." And he said, "And go home and go to bed." So that was my the celebration that I had on my first Australian Cup. So uh, yeah, it was, they were they, they were pretty hard busts in those days. By the end of the nineteen fifties, you were one of the leading jockeys in Australia. And then in 1960, you decided to come over to ride in Ireland. Why did you? Why did you come over? Well, I actually i I got a telephone or telegram rather at uh, around uh, it was in November during the Melbourne Cup time in here in November of 1959. And at that particular time, year, I was the leading rider in um, in Victoria, and so. Uh, I had this uh, telegram to ring um, uh, uh, Paddy Prendergast, the uh, trainer in Ireland. So, which I did. I rang him, and he offered me the job to to come to Ireland uh, in 1960 and uh, and uh, ride for him. He said he had a, a nice lot of horses, and uh, that uh, he would pay me a retainer 
pay my expenses over there, and uh, and I, I I would ride the horses all he, that uh, that he was in that he had in training. So uh, I said to my wife, I just hadn't been married all that long, and I had a couple of little children. So I said to my wife, Well, uh, do you think we should go? And um, and uh, yeah, she said yes, go, go along. And off I I uh, made arrangements to go, and I was going to go over on my own, but I wasn't very happy about that anyway. We left our children. She came with me, and we left our children with some very good friends, now Raymond and Susan. They were only young, very young at the time. Anyway, we arrived uh, in uh, in Ireland in 1960. Yeah, so. Uh, that was how I came to go to Ireland. Mm. And I, you were 32 at the time. And I read that you, before you got to Paddy Prendicast, you'd almost gone on a world tour. That's right. Well, I said, well, it would be the only chance I'd ever leave with any, any chance of leaving Australia. And as of everything was being paid for me, I was decided to, to have a little world because in those days you could buy a ticket around the world and as long as you were going forward, you you could see go anywhere. So, of course, that was a great uh, great thing for me because we uh, set off. We went to uh, Honolulu and uh, then on to San Francisco and and then uh, over to to uh, I think we went to Las Vegas, Disneyland. We had a great time getting them. We arrived in in uh, in uh, Ireland in Dublin in the middle of February, and of course. It was freezing cold, very, very cold. Of course, we don't have much snow over where I live here, and uh, so I wasn't. I didn't appreciate uh, arriving in uh, in the cold weather in in Dublin. But anyway, I was picked up by Kevin Prendergast, who's and a very good friend of his called Pug McKenzie. He was a jump jockey in Australia, and they picked Norma and I up at the. Uh, at the Dublin airport, and uh, we uh, took a little before we went. We were going to live on the Curra, down on the Curra in Kildare. And uh, anyway, we uh, we had a little tour of uh, of Ireland. We went to Phoenix Park and uh, Bell Bell was the name of Bell. Oh, Bell Doyle. Doyle a yeah. A little just outside of it. This was a, they told me it was the Mooney Valley of Ireland and all that sort of thing. Anyway. We got back uh, to uh, to Paddy Prendergast's uh, stables around about four o'clock in the afternoon, and uh, then I we went to the stables of stable time around five. Everybody was so showing the horses were being groomed and prepared for the night, and so uh, anyway, Paddy, I met Paddy Prendergast for the first time, and uh, he showed we walked around, around the stables. Uh, Showing he was showing me all the horses, and what, and I was, I was a really so delighted to be there. There were some lovely, he had some, some lovely horses and showed them all. He said, Well, he said, he said, I don't start off the very season very, very well, he said, little, but he said, as soon as the weather starts to change, he said, and get warmer, he says, My horses start to come good. So, uh, I, I was very pleased about to hear that too. And then moving forward to the uh, 2000 Guineas, in your first ride in England, you won yes. won a classic with Marshall. Yes, yeah, yes, Steve, dear. That was a, a big surprise, of course. Uh, 
uh, Marshall, uh, he was a lovely, big, strong chestnut horse, and uh, he was an outsider as well. But, it, but uh, I remember it very, very well. I, where uh, Norma and I we went to Newmarket, we stayed at Newmarket, and uh, I was uh, sitting in the in the bar having the night before the the two thousand guineas and. Uh, a little man came up to me and introduced himself. That he said he was a uh, Norman Bertie, and he trained, I think, uh, Pinza to win the English Derby. And anyway, uh, he uh, he introduced himself to him. We had a nice little chat, and he said, uh, "Well, he said, hope you do well." He said, uh, "But he said you come eventually, you come to England, and." Um, and but he said you've come in the back door, so uh, that was being I suppose being an island. But anyway, uh, the next day, of course, uh, I went down and I uh, I was able to win the uh, the two thousand guineas, and from that day, Steve, but uh, probably changed my life, you know, because uh, it everything turned uh, out good from there on. And you'd never ridden at the Rowley Mile before. The horse was an eighteen to one outsider. You won by a head. How did you handle the dip at Newmarket? Yes, well, as a matter of fact, I, I, uh, I that that on the on the uh, the morning of the race, I I went down and was I was walking the track, and I ran into a, a broadcaster. You probably know Peter Bromley, and uh, we walked up the track together, and he explained that where the where the race course were held, because in those days it was wide. It was a very wide track. It might have been 100 yards wide, you know. And uh, we walked up the track and we came to the beach. Now he said, you don't go, he said, until you get to the bushes, he said. And we walked past the bushes and he said, you know, this is, it's uphill. He said, save yourself, he says, for the last, for the very last run. And, of course, uh, I drew the inside of the track and uh, sure enough, I George Moore was on the favourite bencher, one of one of our Prince Ali Khan's horses. He was on the outside, the on the far side. Anyway, I didn't. Uh, we went. I rode my race, and uh, and of course, uh, I uh, I did what Peter probably had told me to do. Waited into the bushes, and then I let go. And sure enough, I looked across, and well, I didn't know whether I'd won or not. Anyway, but or sure enough. Up goes uh, the number and my numbers in the in the in the frame. So uh, that was a great uh, a great thrill. Right, yeah, it was a great thrill to win the in my classic the first time I win on road at Newmarket. Yeah, yeah certainly a good start to, to win your first classic, first ride in England, and then not long after that you tasted tasted success at Royal Ascot when you won the Coventry Coventry Stakes on Typhoon. What was it yes, like to ride at Royal Ascot? Yes, oh, well, it was a big thrill, you know, there was a great thrill in those days. And I, 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 I did go, I wrote, a, if I remember, wrote a, one of the news takes on a uh, uh, two year old four floor runner because Patty was very good with the two year olds. And we had a great, uh, a great uh, basket there. I think we, uh, Typhoon was, uh, was another, uh, I think we might have won the Coventry. Coventry, Coventry you won that, yeah. Yeah, and uh, and um, and and uh, Flora Ronda won the uh, won the news takes. So I actually the, the first rides at at, at uh, Royal Ascot were um, you know was very exciting. There was a 
such a with all the Queen coming down the the uh, straight before the races and all that sort of thing. It was, it was a, a great thrill, a big thrill. And that particular time around that, because uh, I was only going to stay in Ireland until the end of uh, November, and I was, that was by finish of my time. But anyway, it, as well after I started, because I'd, I'd had a bit of success at Chester before uh, before we got to Royal Ascot, and uh, so Patty and I were doing doing pretty good. And uh, Patty said, "Would you? Would I stay on for the? Would come back for the next season?" Which, um, as I was doing so well, uh, so I, I decided to come back for the following year, which is '61. Uh, yeah, so I had two years with Patty Prendergast, which was most enjoyable. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And at Royal Ascot, you, looking through the records, you 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 won nearly all the big races there. You know, the Coronation Stakes, the Queen Anne Stakes, the Hardwick, um, yeah. many of the two-year-old races, yeah, the Ascot yeah. Gold oh, yeah. Cup, the Hunt Cup. You You won them all, really. Yeah, yeah, I rather go on the Britannia Stakes, the the Hunt Cup, the Hunt uh, Cup, if I remember right, it, Royal Cup. You know, I, I had I had some good times uh, at, at Alaska, right throughout all the time I rode there. I I did pretty very very very, very well. I had some I rode some nice horses, and lovely, and some and uh, some nice horses. You know, to, to ride there It was good. Hmm. And just keeping on a royal theme. Uh, you also rode some winners for the Queen as well. Yes, yes. I, as a matter of fact, my very first ride uh, for the Queen, I was uh, one called uh, at Lingfield, uh, Captain Boyd Rochford. I was able to ride, ride for him, or he asked me to ride uh, Orb- a horse called Orbiston, which was um, owned by the Queen, of course. And uh, and luckily enough, it won. And then I was lucky enough to ride. The Goodwood Cup winner for her on Galloway. Galloway uh, at uh, Goodwood, you know, one of the you know the Goodwood meetings in August, which was a great thrill and yes, great honour. So you know, to ride for Her Majesty. Yeah, you mm. said you rode for Paddy Prendergast for 1960 and 1961, and then you, yes, you is that when you then moved to become the retained jockey for the Duke of Norfolk stable in '62? Yes. Yes, Steve, that's quite, that's quite correct. I, I, uh, I, as I was doing pretty good in Ireland, and I was riding a few really good few winners um, uh, in England. I was in uh, being asked to go there during the, the week uh, and on, on several occasions, and I was doing pretty good in uh, in England as well. So, you know, one one particular night, I was there evening meeting at. Um, at Windsor, this was in uh, in 1961, whatever it was. Anyway, and he asked uh, the captain or Bernard Van Van Cutson, the new market trainer, uh, you know, approached me and said, "Well, I like to ride for the Duke and Duchess of Norfolk for the coming or the next season." And uh, but I, on one occasion, on, on the occasion, 
that I had to ride uh, second to uh, Scoby Breezy because he was uh, the Duke's top uh, jockey in those days. And uh, and I said, yeah, right, I'd, I'd love to come and be uh, associate, be, uh, be with the Duke and Duchess, and uh, I don't mind running the riders second to Scoby Breezy because I always thought Scoby Breezy was one of the best jockeys I've ever seen, and I don't mind. I don't mind running being second to him. So anyway, I accepted the job to go to uh, to uh, uh, the Duke and Duchess, and luckily I enjoyed myself there, and I was there for seventeen years. So we had a great association. Yeah, what, what was he like yeah. to ride for? What were the were the family like to ride for? Oh dear, well uh, over the years I. I uh, developed a, such a lovely association with uh, uh, the Duchess and uh, the Duke, and and I uh, I we had a had a one, and I enjoyed every minute that I was with them, and they they, uh, they were wonderful to me, and and John Dunlop and his wife said we had a wonderful time together, and uh, I just enjoyed being with them, and uh, and we rode to add some nice horses, of course. Um, we're uh, dear lucky that uh, I remember the Duke when I first went there with him. He said that um, there was only one race in the racing calendar that we'd like to win would be the Royal uh, Ascot Cup. And because I think at that particular time he was uh, the uh, running the whole show at that particular time, and and uh, luckily, uh, as I think it was 1974. Uh, he bred a horse called Ragstone, and uh, and I was lucky enough to uh, be associated with his uh, the races he wanted to win. And of course, I think if I remember in 1975 about this, that was in June, of course, and um, in February or January, February he passed away, which was so sad. That must have been one of your biggest highlights winning oh, the Ascot Gold Cup. Absolutely, Steve. Yes, so lives in my memory. Well, all these years, and uh, it was yeah, great, a great thrill. And the uh, grace was uh, she was delighted. I remember so well. We had a, went back to Arundel and had a bit of a, of a party that particular night. It was a yeah, great night. Great memories of that particular day. Yes, wonderful. Moving forward to. 1969, you won two classics for Harry Rag, who trained in Newmarket, the Thousand Guineas yeah. and the St. Ledger. What do you remember about those two rides? Yes, I do. I say yes. Uh, uh, I was here. I had a retainer with uh, Harry, and uh, and of course he is uh, his son Jeff, who was a great, who was a lovely, lovely person. Uh, he was his sort of head man, and I won on. Uh, uh, for Budgie Moller, uh, full dress, if I remember rightly, and uh, he was owned by Budgie Moller, one of the Hong Kong, I think, shipping people. Was and then the other ones, Intermezzo. Uh, he was uh, he was uh, Jerry Oldham, which uh, he was such a lovely man. He owned uh, Intermezzo, so uh, I was very fortunate. Where Jeff and at that particular, like, he was sort of in charge of the. Of the stables, and uh, we used to travel a lot to um, uh, Germany and Italy and all those sort of places. Jeff, Jeff was a great man to to be with, and his wife Patricia. We um, we uh, we got on very very well, and some we had some very happy times together. 
in those countries. Yes, I I saw you won big races in Germany and you won the Italian Derby. Yes, I won the Italian Derby uh, on, uh, oh, gee, I can't think of the same now, uh, Apriani, Apriani, yeah, Apriani, I think it was, and uh, he won the uh, for uh, uh, Tezio, that uh, was a big breeder in hand. And I also won the St. Ledger for uh, the Irish St. Ledger for him as well. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I had a, had, a, had, a, had and I won the German 2000 Guineas, if I remember. I can't remember the name of the horse, but anyway, uh, yes, I did quite well in those countries. Uh, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed Germany, yeah, especially because I made some very, very good friends over there. I, I had a very good friend uh, that, uh, uh, T.Z. von Werner, I think she, uh, her husband was the secretary of the Baden-Baden uh, uh, race course in which was, you know, one of the best meetings in August uh, in Germany. Yeah, and we got to have some wonderful friends there. Now, one race you, you didn't manage to win was the Derby. You came third a couple of times um, on uh, Kithnos in 1960, your first ride, and you were also third on Mount Athos in the 1968 yes. Derby, which Sir Ivor won. Was that the race you really wanted to win? Well, naturally, the English Derby was, uh, was um, uh, well, it's the, it's the race most jockeys would like to win. And... Uh, Fortunately, I, uh, or unfortunately rather, I was wasn't lucky enough to to win an English Derby. My first Derby, as you just mentioned, was Kethnos. He, he ran third, and Paddy had two in the race. Uh, Al Chaos and Scobie rode that one. I had the choice of the two two horses, but I chose Kethnos because he had won the two thousand guineas in Ireland, and I, I thought that he was by far the a better horse, but uh, 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 Scobie rode uh, El Chaos and, and was able to run second. We ran second to some Paddy Lester, and that was the first time that sort of we got to meet Pat Lester as well. And uh, yeah, so that was my first, first go. And then I I uh, I, I, I was uh, riding a Towser Gosden, which was the name of the trainer, and he retired, and Gordon Spythe took over his stable and I was retained by Gordon and I was uh, at that particular time that uh, Charlottetown was uh, was his best two-year-old and um, and I was, oh, of course, I was, I was retained by him and I was due to ride him in the, uh, in the derby. But, however, uh, I got uh, beat in uh, Lingfield Derby trial on Charlottetown he ran third, and but I was making up ground. Uh, of course, called Black Prince won the won the race, but I was ha- gathering up hands over fit, uh, fist, but I didn't get there in time. The owner, Sir Harold Werner, wasn't very pleased with me because uh, I, was, I got too far back. But uh, anyway, uh, uh, I was uh, sacked uh, about a week before the uh, English Derby, so. Uh, I missed out on riding, you know, riding a winner and John Charlottetown. And then next, of course, as you say, Mount Athos. He was owned by a, a, a great man, uh, Sandy Struthers, and uh, and he was able to run third to uh, 
Survivor. And of course, they, they made a film of, of uh, Survivor, The Year of Survivor, which was a, it was quite a lovely film to, to look at. Yeah. So that was my, my sort of uh, Derby stories. Well, I've got another couple yeah. of questions about the Derby. You also rode Shirley Heights as a two year old, didn't you? Yes, yes. Well, I, yeah, that's right. I, I wrote her, yeah. He's, uh, but I unfortunately, uh, I retired in, in 1977. I retired in England at that particular bit. But Grace said that she was retiring and wasn't going to go take much, much more interest. And she was going to uh, lease the uh, stables uh, to John. And um, and she was sort of uh, backing off, being being you know interested in racing. So I thought, well, as she's going to retire, I'll retire as well. So that was mine. I didn't carry on for the next year, but that year I rode a horse, uh, Bel Marino, in nineteen seventy-seven in the in the arc, and he ran second in the arc uh, at a Triumph, and uh, uh, the uh, New Zealand. Owners and Association, they invited me to go to uh, New Zealand uh, to ride in New Zealand and go and do some sort of seminars around uh, Auckland and Eldersley and those places, uh, a little bit of a talk. And so they invited me and my family out to New Zealand for the Christmas, that particular Christmas, and uh, which I enjoyed. I was there for about six weeks. But on my way back, I happened to stop in at... Um, Call into uh, uh, Singapore, and uh, and I had a few, few rides there, and I think I went over the uh, the uh, four days of racing. I wonder, I think I remember, I ran about eight or nine races, and and um, and as I retired in England, uh, that was what I did. I was going back to retire, and um, Ivan Allen, who was one of the trainers in Singapore. Uh, he said, what well, said to me, he said, well, he said, you're retired in England. He said, he said, I'll sponsor you and uh, out here. He said, you can finish, your, finish for 12 months out here for, for, uh, for a while. And uh, so I said to my wife, yeah, well, I've got nothing. Else. If I go back, I'm not going to do much back in England. I'll, I'll stay and, uh, and, uh, and ride for Ivan. Anyway, of course, uh, I put him to Verizon, but I, I became a... Instead of riding for uh, for uh, Ivan, uh, I, be, I became the, the club jockey. And so that meant that I was able to ride any, for any trainer who I chose or who wanted me to ride. And uh, I, I finished up being the champion jockey of, the, of Singapore at that particular time. So I had a good time. I stayed there, there for about three years and I finished about in 1981, I think it was, when I finally retired. But uh, I started to get hip problems. I, I, uh, my joints and the hips, they were giving me some, you know, I was getting very aches, a lot of aches and pains in my, around in my groin area. And, and, uh, and I was finding it difficult to sort of stretch my legs, you know, that sort of thing. So uh, in 19, uh, well, I think it was, yeah, I've not, I was 53 years of age when, I uh, I decided to give it away because it was a, I was under a bit of pain, and I decided to give it away. And I was I was 53 years of age, and I had my first hip operation in uh, 53. So when I was 53, so I you know uh, I had a good season, put it that way. 
You did, mm. yeah. I just wanted, I mean, you've, you've gone well ahead of me there. I, I wanted to ask you a couple more questions about individuals. And going back to the Derby, in 1962, yes. you rode a horse called Silver Cloud, and that was the Derby when seven horses fell. What do you remember about that particular yeah. race? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we had yeah, Silver Cloud, known by a man, Jack Jarvis, trained it, known by, uh, I think, a trainer. Uh, an owner, Tom Blackwell, yes. Uh, we had this uh, nasty fall. About, like, luckily, I didn't get hurt or anything like that, but uh, uh, but uh, it was a nasty. I can't recall very much of the race, but it, but it uh, was a, a several minutes fell anyway. In part two, coming up next week, Ron reflected on his long riding career, the great jockeys he rode against, including his friend, fellow Aussie Scobie Breezley, the great horses he rode against, and the challenges of riding in Britain. Ron also revealed what he considered to be the best horse he rode. Here's a short clip. Well, Goodwood, for instance, is a wonderful track up in Hill and Down Dale, and, uh, and, and Brighton, of course, and those, and, and, you know, everything's different over in England. They're wide open tracks. And, of course, you know, I can remember riding in Alley Pally said in London. That was, uh, what, a, what a, you know, a unique sort of track that was, you know, to ride on. Thank you for listening to The Paddock and the Pavilion. You can download the show on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, SoundCloud, Stitcher and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at The Pad and Pav. Don't forget, if you like the show, please do leave us a rating and review. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.